This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. I strive to make this podcast a safe and inclusive place for my listeners. If I've missed any content warnings, please let me know. Content warnings for this episode include strong language, mature themes, erotic transformations, corruption and mind alteration, futinari, women with penises, and male-female sex, including oral sex and mutual masturbation. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 235. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm Chris Lester, the creator of the Metamore City story universe. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fresh new fiction with you and tell you the latest on my writing endeavors. So let's get started with this week's story. Today I'm bringing you Chapter 8 in my erotic fantasy novel, Homecoming. If you're new to the show, go back to Episode 228 to hear this story from the beginning. The following recap will contain spoilers. After an enjoyable evening with Kate's parents, Kate and John retired to the guest room for some much-needed one-on-one time. Their sexual encounter started with John taking the dominant role and Kate taking the submissive role, an inversion of their power dynamic outside the bedroom, where John generally follows Kate's lead. In a departure from their usual play, John proposed to hold back his Daedric essence, which is literally a piece of the fertility goddess Aspira, the divine power that makes John an incubus. By denying himself the satisfaction of feeding on her life force, he would keep Kate from getting sleepy and sedated, which would allow them to continue the scene longer. But things did not go according to plan. John was able to hold back his Daedric hunger for a while, but his control slipped. The piece of divine essence inside him pounced on Kate and started to feed. With an effort of will, John reached out and stopped the flow of Kate's life force. For an instant, there was a balanced tension of forces between them. And then the flow reversed. Something inside of Kate grabbed hold of John's essence, and a torrent of smoky red power was sucked out of John and into Kate. Somehow, Kate just absorbed a huge chunk of Suspira's essence. When John picked himself up off the floor, dizzy and shaking, he saw that Kate's body had been transformed. Her skin had turned brick red, her hair and nails were black, her eyes a glowing amber. She had small, slightly curving horns, a tail much like John's own, and, in the place where her clit had been, Kate had grown a phallus at least twenty centimeters long. Kate looked up at John, her eyes flashing yellow, and her voice trembling with fear. John? she asked. What the fuck did we just do? Homecoming, a tale of Metamore City. 
written and read by Chris Lester. Chapter 8 John blinked and rubbed his eyes, trying to clear them. He grabbed the skin of his arm between two fingers and pinched it, hard. Nothing about the situation changed. Mother goddess, he thought. I just turned my girlfriend into a succubus. How the fuck did I turn her into a succubus? I... John heard the sound of rising panic in his own voice and forced himself to stop. He closed his eyes for a moment, took a deep breath, let it out. Okay. Okay, let's take a second and think about this. When he opened his eyes, Kate had her hand wrapped gingerly around her new cock. She was stroking the shaft slowly, up and down, watching it pulse and twitch with a kind of dazed fascination. Oh my god, that feels amazing. Her hand strayed down to her labia, and the fingers came back slick with moisture. She ran them over the phallus again, and actually let out a moan. Oh, gods, that's even better. Kate! John grabbed her shoulder and shook it a little. Come on, honey, focus here. Kate gasped and pulled her hand away from her groin with what seemed like enormous effort. Fuck me, she whispered and for the moment, at least, she seemed to mean it as an expletive instead of an invitation. John, what the hell is happening? All I can think about is sex. I know. John's legs were still aching, and wearily, he sank down on the bed beside her. I don't know how it happened, but I think you absorbed part of my essence. Kate looked at him sharply. Right, we knew that. I've been picking up your essence since the first time I went to the temple. That's why I'm bisexual now. But it's never done this before. She gestured down at the cock for emphasis. I know, John said again. He was thinking hard, trying to remember everything he'd ever learned about essence. I think normally you're just taking a little bit at a time. You digest it, I guess. Change it. Make it a part of you. This time, I think you got a big chunk of it, and instead, the essence changed you. He looked at her face. Her brick-red skin had paled noticeably, and her amber eyes were wide. Take it back, she said urgently. I'm sorry, I don't know how I did it, but take it back. John tried. He put his hand on her stomach, over her mystic center, he closed his eyes and reached out with his supernatural senses. He could feel the essence inside Kate, thoroughly mixed with her aura, a pulsing core of inhuman desire and need. He called to it, reached out with his own power to try to feed on it, but it twisted out of his grasp and withdrew from him. Damn it, John said, opening his eyes again. I'm sorry, I can't do it. Yes, you can, Kate insisted. She was speaking louder and faster now, almost frantic. She grabbed hold of his hand in both of hers and gripped it hard. Miss Fallon drew your essence out of me after that first night at the temple. We didn't even have sex. She just kissed me on the forehead and pulled it right out of me. Just do that. Kate. John reached up with his free hand and caressed her face, 
then held her chin between his fingers so she would look at him. Isri Fallon is more than 400 years old. I'm 37. I'm sure there are all kinds of things I'll have learned when I'm as old and powerful as she is, but right now, I don't have a clue how to do that. Then we have to call her, Kate said. She can teach you. She must have noticed John's incredulous expression, because she dropped the idea in mid-sentence. Or she can come here. Honey, you can't ask a matriarch succubus to leave her territory, John said patiently. That's like... like asking a bird to leave her nest and fly to another country. She would die first. Kate's bottom lip trembled. Her eyes glistened. John, she said her voice thick with tears. I can't stay like this. Gods, look at me. She reached down and grabbed the cock, then shook it by the base in a fit of frustration. I'm a freak. John reached over and covered her hand with his. Then, gently, he moved his hand up the shaft of the cock until he was holding it just below the head. He ran his thumb gently over her foreskin, watching as it retracted and exposed the sensitive glands and frenulum. Kate made a whimpering noise. He looked up at her, met her eyes squarely, and let her see the desire he felt for her. I think you're amazing, he said, and kissed her. Kate melted into him, moaning with desire. After a moment, though, the moan turned to a sound of frustration, and she broke off the kiss. Wait a minute, wait a minute, she said, her voice shaking as she pushed him back to arm's length. We can't just, just keep fucking. We need to figure this out. But even as she said it, her hand drifted down to his cock, her fingers wrapping around the base of his shaft. John looked down at her hand, then back up at her eyes. Her pupils were so wide with arousal that the yellow of her irises had nearly disappeared. He moistened his lips, swallowed once. Maybe if I feed on you, the essence will come back to me? It was no more than a wild guess, and Kate knew it, but after about two seconds she nodded anyway. Yeah, sounds good, she said, and kissed him again. Her tongue thrust into his mouth and danced with his. She eagerly stroked his cock, moaning again as she felt him swell and grow hard. Her new tail snaked out and entwined itself with his, and the feeling of their sensitive heads rubbing against each other added another delicious layer to their pleasure. John found her breast with one hand, cupping the soft flesh and squeezing the nipple between thumb and forefinger, while his other hand moved back and forth between Kate's pussy and her cock, getting the shaft slick with her own juices. Kate soon copied the idea, burying her fingers in her own snatch and coming back to lubricate John. They stroked each other in slow, full movements, from head to shaft and back again, while they traded deep kisses and moaned into each other's mouths. John could sense that Kate was getting close, so he broke the kiss and looked into her eyes again. I want to taste you, he said, giving her cock a squeeze. Oh, gods, I want you to, Kate said. John's muscles were still sore, so he scooted further up the bed and lay down flat on his back. His tail ran down between his legs, the tip twitching in anticipation. 
Kate straddled him in 69 position, her beautiful pussy and full, gorgeous cock both poised invitingly above him. John licked slowly up and down her shaft, even as he slipped two fingers into her vagina to massage her G-spot. Kate, meanwhile, bobbed her head on John's cock, short and quick strokes alternating with deep-throated thrusts that brought her lips almost to the base of his shaft. John was not quite so skilled in suppressing his gag reflex, but he took the head of the phallus into his mouth and swirled his tongue expertly along its underside. He pumped the shaft of the massive cock in time with his head, gradually increasing in tempo and intensity. Kate's aura opened to him just as they were both nearing climax, and this time John did not hold back. His essence reached out and pulled hard on Kate's life force, filling him with the warm, sweet taste of manna. At the same time, though, he felt something else tugging on his own aura, drawing off energy from his human side. The combined sensation sent a flood of endorphins running through his body, and he and Kate came in unison, shooting hot, sticky fluid into each other's mouths while they both groaned in ecstasy. Kate slipped off him, turned around, and nestled down against him, her head pillowed against his chest. A delicious lassitude filled John's whole body, like a blanket of soft, fuzzy white. Relaxed, sated, and no longer in pain, John wrapped his arm around Kate and drifted gently off to sleep. Tuesday, November 21st John awoke the next morning to an empty bed and the distant sound of a running shower. Someone had thrown an extra blanket over him, and he felt warm, snugly, and content. A tenuous light slanted in through the blinds and the bedroom windows, gray-blue and muted. Beyond the window he could hear the patter of rain and the soft burble of water through the gutters. Somewhere downstairs, cabinet doors opened and closed, and the tick, tick, tick of Miko's claws sounded from the foyer. He lay motionless for a while, listening to the gentle noises of the house around him, and wondered how soundproof the Katane's bedroom really was. After a while, the shower turned off. Kate came back into the bedroom with a bath sheet wrapped around her body, and a second towel wrapped around her hair. Her golden pale skin had flushed a little pink in her cheeks, and her pale green eyes sparkled as she turned on the bedroom light. John sat up and smiled at her. Hey, I guess that feeding session must have worked. Kate smiled thinly at him, then shut and locked the door behind her. Not exactly, she said, and removed the towels. Though her skin and eyes were their usual color, the horns and tail still remained. The phallus had shrunk significantly since last night, but it still hung there above the slit of her vulva, unmistakable for anything else. Ah, John said, chastened. He gestured up and down at her body. Glamour, I take it? Yep, changing colors is easy. I could do it in my sleep. Kate pointed a finger at her horns, rolling her eyes in self-deprecation. Making something invisible? Not so easy. Not without my magic lab, anyway. John winced. Oof. I'm sorry, love. 
Kate came over and sat down on the bed beside him. Her tail flicked up and down against the comforter. She smiled fondly at him, and this time there was real warmth in the expression. Thanks for talking me down last night. I was scared, and I wasn't thinking clearly, and I got stupid. John reached over and squeezed her hand. It happens. You sure you're all right? Kate tipped her head to one side, lifted a shoulder and half a shrug. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still weird as fuck. And it's not exactly convenient. But I know it's not forever, either. As soon as we get back to Metamore, I'll go see Miss Fallon and she'll pull this essence out of me. Compared to what happened to your sister and her buddies, this is easy. Her smile took on a wicked cast. And besides, last night? That was fucking amazing. John chuffed a laugh. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Kate's hand strayed over the surface of the covers, to the approximate area of his groin. I've got to admit, I'm curious. I want to know what else this body can do. And this has got to be related to that mysterious non-human heritage I'm supposed to have. If I can learn to control this, to borrow essence and give it back again, well, that could be really useful. She winked. And not just for sex. John grinned. He lifted his free hand from under the covers and caught the tip of her tail, stroked it gently with his thumb. Kate's eyes half-lidded with pleasure, and she made a purring sound deep in her throat. "'I'm glad to see you're embracing the adventure,' he said. "'Particularly since I have no way to undo this.' Kate pulled her tail free, then wrapped it experimentally around his arm. "'Well, you know me.' Weird shit happens, I jump in and try to figure it out. She tugged gently against his arm with the tail, testing its strength. Now come on, you need to shower and get changed before breakfast. I'm going to figure out a way to hide the horns and tail. Obediently, John went to the bathroom and did his morning ablutions. While he was there, he switched back to the human form he'd worn last night. He didn't expect Sam and Lisa to be hanging out by the bathroom door, but accidents could happen. By the time he got back to the bedroom, Kate was dressed, with a fuzzy green sweater and a pair of brown sweatpants that she normally used for jogging on cold mornings. Her hair and horns were covered by a loose-knitted cap with an elastic band at the bottom. The yarn was dyed in various shades of brown and gold, and it looked sort of like a beret crossed with a sweater. What do you think? Kate asked. John had made it a policy not to lie to Kate. I have some doubts about the pants, he said. Yeah, she sighed, looking down at the sweats. She had run her tail down alongside her right leg, and it twitched and flexed against the fabric. It's the only thing I brought that has room for the tail. I don't suppose you can teach me how to make it go away. Probably not, John said. When I had my metamorphosis, it took me two months to get the hang of shape-shifting. It's the main reason I got caught. The thing I don't get is why I have a dick, Kate said. Or, I guess, why I have both. Lady Suspira has both, John said, as he went over to the suitcase and started pulling out clothes. It's her essence, ultimately, so you defaulted to her form. Kate cocked her head, considering this. So do all of your people have both by default? 
John pulled on a pair of black boxers Kate had gotten him. They looked plain right now, but in the dark, the words party time would appear across the crotch. The ones who were born to succubi come out that way, yeah, he said. Over time, they learn how to slide from one end of the spectrum to the other. Folks like me, who were born to humans, usually were born with one set of equipment, and we learn to access other forms after we change. Huh, Kate said, thoughtfully. When were you a girl for the first time? John thought about it. About nineteen, I think. I'd been at the temple for a few years. Mistress Jasmine was teaching the new priests about female pleasure, and some things just make more sense if you experience them firsthand. Kate smiled impishly. I knew there had to be a reason you were so good. Remind me to thank Mistress Jasmine later. John put on a t-shirt and a plaid flannel, which seemed appropriate for a provincial small town, and pulled on his tight-fitting jeans, which were much more of a big city look. Kate watched his ass appreciatively as he bent over the suitcase again to look for socks. He grinned over his shoulder at her. I know what you're thinking, he said. Kate folded her hands in her lap, playing coy. I don't know what you're talking about. You're thinking you want to try putting that thing inside me. Kate's eyes twinkled. Maybe, she purred. John straightened, then leaned over and kissed her. Tonight, he promised. Right now I need food, and your parents probably want to actually see us on this vacation. Kate chuckled and nodded once. All right, deal. And that's the end of Chapter 8. Come back next time, when Kate's new succubus powers cause some complications during a trip downtown. Joyce Carol Oates said, I have forced myself to begin writing when I've been utterly exhausted, when I've felt my soul as thin as a playing card. And somehow, the activity of writing changes everything. So let's take a look at my creative endeavors for this week. Here's your weekly writing report. This update covers the week of June 6th through June 12th. I wrote 5,247 words this week, over the course of 7.5 hours, for an average writing speed of 700 words per hour. As of Friday night, I have gone 56 days without breaking my chain. This week I made good progress on Honor Bound. I'm nearing the end of Act 1, and Natasha in particular is facing the consequences of her recent decisions. No one knows what happened between Honor and Natasha behind closed doors, but her captain knows that they were alone together, and that's scandal enough. This is a time of severe class stratification, and Natasha has a reputation for seducing other women. That was all fine when she was fooling around with barmaids, but the idea that a guard might have corrupted the virtue of a nobleman's daughter is simply intolerable. Natasha finds herself suddenly and unexpectedly out of a job. That sets the stage for Act Two, where circumstances will bring Honor and Natasha together in a much more extended way. I'm now in Chapter 10, and the manuscript is over 22,000 words. Over on the Patreon feed, we have a new patron this month. Say hello to Greg. 
I'm continuing to post the first draft of Honor Bound to the Patreon feed, one chapter per week. It's been very exciting to watch people reading along and reacting to the story. It's visible to all patrons at the $3 level or higher. I've also started talking about the writing process on the Metamore City Discord server. There's a special channel that's exclusively for patrons, and if you go there, you can find me talking about creative decisions I've made in the story, and other behind-the-scenes tidbits. You can access the patrons-only channel by going to patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. Once you're a patron, you can click on the My Membership tab, and you'll see a box labeled Discord Community. If you like what I'm doing on this show and want to help me keep making it, becoming a patron is the single best way to support me. Right now, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, both Patreon and PayPal are waiving all of their processing fees, so 100% of what you donate goes directly to me. Your contributions pay for things like web hosting and podcast distribution, cover art, and the accounting software that I use to run my business. They also, quite honestly, help pay for things like food and vet bills, especially right now, when my wife Melanie isn't booking a lot of photography clients. Donate $3 a month or more, and you'll get access to Honor Bound as I'm writing it. Plus, all patrons get access to my behind-the-episode commentary podcast, as well as exclusive bonus art from Metamore City artists like Ben Clifford and Carol Foote. To get started, go to patreon.com slash author Chris Lester and make a pledge today. And if you're already a patron, a very big thank you for your support. It means so much to me, especially right now. If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorecityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900 then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook, and our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2019 and 2020 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.